to always get the latest Game Tea, do not forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Game Tea Podcast, and you can find us on Twitter at Game Tea Podcast X. We post memes, gaming news, retweet friends of the pod, and of course, let you know when new episodes are available for your listening pleasure. Links are all available in the description of this episode, so check them out after the show, and thank you so much for listening to The Game Tea Podcast. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. My name is JP. I'm Zach. And I'm Zar. Alright boys, today we're doing a classic and for, in fact, I think this is our first ever segment. I thought Music Mayhem was our first segment. Music Mayhem was up there, but I think Rate That Rating was actually the first one. I might be wrong. Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's an oldie but a goodie. It also induces the most rage for us too. That is true. Damn you, Metacritic! So for those of you that don't know, rate that rating. Each host picks one of their favorite games, our recent game that they played, and they give it fair and honest reviews, the score at the end, that review from 0 to 10. Yes, we still do 0 to 10, Krista. Once the host gives that game more <laughs> review, they will go to Metacritic and look at the best and worst reviews and make comments by the other reviewers to laugh, cry, shout hilarious manner, and like Zara said, probably get a little mad. Just a little. Just a little. Just a waddle. And it being the um, November 23rd is when the next expansion comes out for World of Warcraft. I thought I would do World of Warcraft because I was kind of curious to where it would go. You know what? I I am too, because I feel like there's no more critical fan base than the WoW fan base. So I'm sure anything negative is going to be funny. That's the word I'm looking for. Funny. JP must want to see me angry. I'm here for chaos, bud. You know this. I started playing World of Warcraft back in 2007 or 2008. I cannot remember precisely, but it was in the summertime. I do remember that. And long story short is I cracked my vertebrae. When I cracked my vertebrae, I wasn't allowed to do any physical activity for like three months, which as a seventh grade boy, you can imagine is pretty terrible. So I had to do something to figure out what to do with my life. I was skateboarding. Yeah, I did a, uh, I can't remember if it was just kickflip or an ollie off the dock at Vinny's, but it was fun. Did you land it? I landed it, but the compression, my back was having none of it. I've watched you skateboard, man. You land pretty aggressively. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> oh, that's not a compliment. You broke your back. I don't know what to say to that. And <laughs> so, just tell me I'm um, right. Just tell me I'm right. That's all I want. That is how I like. I, I went to Best Buy with one of my best friends, Dylan, and we saw like a free trial for World of Warcraft, and it worked. I <laughs> picked it up, played it, and fell in love with it. And I've pretty much played it off and on for the past 15 years of my life. Jesus, man. Damn. <laughs> Your game time could almost drive a car. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> graphics and art style of World of Warcraft, I think, is something that I kind of got made fun of for at the time. It had a very cartoony art style and didn't go for very realistic um, graphics. Thank God it did that because 2004 was a long time ago. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Halo does not look as good as you think it does unless you're playing on the Master Chief collection. <laughs> That's uh, yeah. not pretty. Uh, Jack and Daxter doesn't look very good even on the HD collection so I mean it's a really good thing that they went with that cartoony art style because things like Legend of Zelda Wind Waker like those are the games that stay in the test of time and they still look good even now and you know what's funny is Wind Waker when it first came out got very bad reception because of the cartoony art style 
but now today is regarded as one of the best Zelda games. It goes to show you that when it comes to the art style, it can grow on you and difference not necessarily always bad. Yeah, you can add a fresh coat of polish to a cartoony game and make it look high res as fuck. It is a it is a solid gaming strategy. And so, yeah, that's the graphics. I'd say the graphics are pretty solid in that regard. Not anything cutting edge, but again, they stand the test of time. And with each expansion, they kind of do a little update, which is pretty spectacular when you think about it. And then I guess that moves into characters. Guys, there are countless characters in World of Warcraft that each have books and books of lore on them. I will say, though, that as much as there's great characters like Sylvanas Windrunner and Thrall and uh, Khadgar and... Medea, there's so much going on in this world. It can be a little overwhelming. The main character is you, and that leads to a lot of this lore kind of getting retconned a lot. Like there's been time travel in one of the, in one of the expansions. So I mean, like it does get a little fluffed, and yes, there is some backtracking. But for the grand scheme of things, the fact that they've had almost a 20-year plot. I mean, actually, I guess Warcraft came out in 1992. What is that? Almost 30 years when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Like you're going to have a little bit of retconning just to make stuff sound a little better and fluff it up. So uh I'd say like that's the only flaw with some of these characters is they've had to kind of backtrack on some things. Okay. I think that kind of goes into the story. But at the end of the day, like there's only so many times the world can be in danger. You know what I mean? Like we're all here for the sick loot. Let's be real now. Sick loot. Uh, so the story, the story is all over the place with the current Shadowlands expansion. You are literally fighting the God of Death. The God of Death is basically stealing from all the other dominions and, and death. And he's becoming super powerful Omega, like stronger than like gods, apparently. Sylvanas has torn a rift. This isn't even my final form. <laughs> right, right. Just imagine Dragon Ball Z and power levels. <laughs> I love it. That is kind of the current story and things going on. Any questions about any of that stuff? I feel like I kind of threw those three together. No, and that's fine. But I mean, like, that's the thing with WoW is you could spend literally a two hour episode just explaining to us what the fuck is going on. And we don't have that kind of time. So I'm very happy with your brief summary, with your Spark Notes version. Gameplay, World of Warcraft came out in 2004, so it's kind of ancient. You have um, tab targeting where you would just select the enemy and then you would use spells. Um, there's a few spells that you have to place down. It's it, it's not very like, you know how Destiny is where you have to aim all your shots and do all those things. It's not like that. Yeah. It's kind of more relaxed. And some people say it's not as engaging. And I would say if you want to get the most out of each character, it can be very engaging and very captivating. There's a lot of things that you have to know. And there's a deep knowledge of the game that can be very overwhelming for certain people. Um, but for some people, that's not their cup of tea. They just want to play something simple. And you can do that. You can play a hunter, a beast mastery hunter, and you can fly through the game and be just fine. They've done a very good job over the years of making it so like, do you want it simple? Play this. Do you want it more complicated? Play that. Um, some of the mechanics are a little dated and they have continued to try and make it less overwhelming. And they've kind of had like, you know, like a almost a political spectrum. Because when you play an MMO, you want to play a game that, you know, like, as you spend time on you grow and get in power, you also don't want an MMO that if you miss one day, you're automatically way weaker than the guy that literally doesn't have a job, can commit 30 hours a day to the game, and you wonder where those extra six hours come from. And you're like, how does he do it? And so they've kind of had like a back and forth between that. And so what's kind of nice is the last expansion, Battle for Azeroth, was very, you had to play every day or else you would fall behind. And now with uh -huh. the new expansion, 
it's like, hey, like they they recognize that, hey, most of you are adults and you have your own lives and you can't do that. So you can play once a week and you're probably going to be just as strong as the other guy. But the other guy who puts in the hours and hours and hours of content, they're going to get like a really cool like pet. Like Zar said, like you can do pets, which is a whole thing. You can just collect the pets or you can literally play Pokemon in your World of Warcraft. Uh huh. Or you can PVP where you fight other players or you can just collect everything. If you're a collectionist, Zar, you will never leave your computer. And that's terrifying. <laughs> and so with my final thoughts, I'd say World of Warcraft from any expansion can go from a 7 out of 10 game to a 9.5 out of 10 game. I think with this expansion, we're going to line up with like that 9.2. Hey! I'm really excited for this expansion. A lot of my friends are coming back, and so it kind of puts me into a bias with it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a pretty high score, even though I know Activision's going to get its grubby hands somewhere on here and make me sad and regret doing that. <laughs> with that, are you guys ready to pull up Metacritic? Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Oh! Battle, I'm looking at Battle of Other Azeroth's uh, user score. That is, uh, yikes. Um, Zach, you want to start with the positive or the negative? We're going to do this kind of weird because I do want to throw this in just to show you how varied this game has become over the years. Like, it's been around since 2004. The original game has a 93 meta score and a 7.4 user score. 56 critic reviews were positive, most giving it 100s or 90s out of 10. Like, I mean, like this is a phenomenal game. Right, but the but the critic score is not what matters here. It's all about that user score, baby. Right, 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 right. Okay, so let's go with the first user review score. And I, I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I just want to show um, kind of the varying fan base. Because you, uh, you have the people who are like, this game is perfect. They're so engrossed with the game. And like, they can do nothing wrong. And then you have the guy who bitches about every little thing and says it's a piece of shit game all the time. Oh, naturally. So let's start with the good. The best game in the history of mankind, at least so far. And the bad reviews are just from either people that have... <laughs> That's a bold claim, Cat. <laughs> yeah. People that have accumulated gameplay of 200 days and are bored that can't stand the game that played by masses. At one point, this game had over 14 million active users. It is such a good game. If you will just play this game one day, your life will make sure make sure wow is the game so yeah and then here's steven m his review came out in 2008 as well or sorry 2007 terrible waste of time money end your life seriously worst game ever made nothing original nothing a match a rational minded gamer would ever like that he gave it he gave it a zero wow <laughs> a zero out of ten not even a point I don't even know what I could say about these people that we haven't already said. It's just like, you can't just go around giving zero out of tens to playable good games, even if you don't like it. Yeah, it should at least get four points for being playable. And so now let's go into the current expansion, Battle for Azeroth, which launched two years ago. And I'm so glad it's almost over. I did not like this one. It was way too grindy or time consuming for me. Critic reviews, again, 31 positive, which JP's like, yeah, we don't care about that. I mean, it got a 79 meta score, so much lower than that 93 of the original game. Mm -hmm. So let's do the user reviews. You're going to notice a trend here. It's got 68 positive to almost 500 negative. Yeesh. Um, Jake, no last name, said it's got trolls. It's got Mesoamerican art and architecture, and it's got dinosaurs. What more do you need? 13 out of 10 would recommend. I sure hope there's some good stuff, too, for Alliance, but whatever. For the horde, he says. Let's go to Wow Helga Wow. Um, he gave it a zero. This is the worst expansion ever. Can't believe how bad it is. Zero out of ten. 
Nah, okay, naturally. No, no defense <laughs> for it, just it's terrible. Why? <laughs> um, Max Arrest said, this is Wad uh, 0.5. Can you believe it? Wad had more in-game content at the beginning than this pile of garbage. Ian is ruining the game with his lawyer mon- mindset only appealing to shareholders and not the actual player base. Which I think has some credence because there is a lot of, there's like phone integration to where you can like do like literal phone games on World of Warcraft. So that way when you're not playing, you can always play. So that way it looks like your community's always engaged even when they're not playing the game, if that makes sense. You know what's really interesting about this is usually when we do rate that rating, it's for games that we like, so when we see these shitty-ass scores given by fucking idiots on Metacritic, we usually get angry, but I know this expansion must have sucked because Zach is agreeing with most of these 0 out of 10s. It's like, eh, that's a pretty good point. I mean, like, with our mindset, like, WAD was the second worst expansion. Like, I mean, it did not have a lot of stuff to do. Like, it actually ran out of content. Um, unless you were a hardcore Mythic Raider, which... That's only 0.5% of that 11 million people or however many people are playing now. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like it's that it's that balancing act. Like Blizzard's got to entertain a wide variety of people. Like, I mean, like I'm not going to say that job's easy. I mean, they make tons of money and should be able to do it. Don't get me wrong in a perfect society, but still a lot of people are just saying it's really the weakest expansion ever. Wow Quest, Grind, Island Expeditions, which I didn't even talk about. Like stuff they just threw away right away because they knew it wasn't hitting. Um, it really wasn't a good expansion. Was it a 0 out of 10? Absolutely not. I'd say it's a 7 out of 10. A 7 out of 10 is still a pretty stellar experience. I mean, it's not an amazing, but the user score here is 3 out of 10. Do you? So you, what you're saying is you didn't like the expansion, but you certainly don't agree with that 3.0 out of 10. Right. I just don't think there's any way you could say a game that's playable. It has content. There's things you can do. Is ever going to be a 3 out of 10 in my eyes? A lot of these guys just, this is where they go to event. This is where they get it off their chest. They go on the forums, they go on here, and they want to pretend they have something original to say. Um, and so <laughs> they just, they do that. They, they just get it off their chest and they say it. It's kind of like, a, it's turning into like its own little vent session. I feel like it's what Metacritic is. And I'm all for a vent section, but the problem is then Metacritic asks these people to give it a number ranking. And by all means, get this shit off your chest. But I mean... We've gone over this time and time again. A 0 out of 10 is literally unplayable. I right. literally mean like you try and play the game and it won't even let you open up the app. Like you know, Xbox or PlayStation issues right now. Like it's just not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, where this becomes a problem with the user score is this actually affects game sales. Like people will go to, to Metacritic and see, oh, this most people are giving this a 0. I'm not getting that game. When really they would probably have a lot of fun with it. That is fair. And so with that, that's all I got to say is WoW is a game that continually evolves and changes. And sometimes it's not for the better, but I've been playing it for almost 15 years and I, that's literally three fourths of my life now. So that's depressing. Anyway, JP, your turn. (laughs) Well, when you put it in those terms, no, I, I, I really do think it's admirable that WoW has constantly been trying to improve and add And even though it doesn't always work out, at least they're trying. One of two things were going to happen. It could keep releasing the things that people want, and then people would get bored and be like, oh, nothing ever changes in these expansions. Or they could take a risk and try and do something new, where it's fans like you are like, okay, not all of these are fire, but I do appreciate the fact that they're trying to mix it up. 
it's not always going to be a big hit, but they're trying. And I applaud them for that. I really do. Does that make you feel, does that make you feel a little better, buddy? Thanks, JP. Speaking <laughs> of, it's your turn, baby. All right. Well, for what it's worth, I don't think I'm going to have a much better time with my game. Now, also, I'm trying very hard not to look at the user score. I think it's a lot more fun if I go in blind when I'm looking at the user score. So let's see the game I'm doing today. I've talked about this game before. Um, it's not incredibly popular, but it has made a little bit of a name with for itself. So I am going to be talking about Life is Strange. First of all, let's talk about why I was interested in this game. You guys know me and I love walking simulators with deep stories. You know, games that make you think, games that have something they're trying to say. So I literally Googled games that make you think and have something to say. <laughs> nice. One of the first games that people recommended in that category was Life is Strange. But I found a, plenty of other great games by trying to go down this route. You know, this is how I found out about Gone Home. This is how I found out about Night in the Woods. There's a lot of great walking simulator, game, simulator games, which you guys know I'm into, that I found by doing this. And Life is Strange was probably the first one that I really, really got into by doing this. Life is Strange is somewhat old, but I actually, why was I interested in this game? Because I Googled this and then I found out that the entire series, because this is an episodic game, kind of like a Telltale series, the entire series was $5 on Christmas. I was home for Christmas break years ago and I was like, fuck it, I'll buy for $5 even if it sucks, it's $5. That's how they get you, JP. Yeah, I know that's how they get me. But you know what? For five bucks, I found it extremely entertaining. There were five episodes, so it was technically a dollar an episode. So you know what? Why not? Why not go for it? People recommend it. Let's go for it. And I was pleasantly surprised. I, even though the game has plenty of problems, which is what I'll get into here, there's still a lot of charm and fun to be had when playing this game. In fact, one of the big things people had complaints about, let's start off by talking about the graphics and the art style. So the developer of this game is Don't Nod Entertainment, which funnily enough, they only have four IPs at the moment because they're not that old of a studio. But coincidentally, one of the other IPs is something that Zar's going to be talking about today. Isn't that weird? Yeah, we're doing games by the same developers and we didn't even plan it. Yeah, so Don't Nod Entertainment, they're the ones who made this game. The art style to Life is Strange is very personally stylized. Like, you don't see a lot of art styles like what they tried to do in this game. And honestly, it's not amazing. You know, like Borderlands has a personalized art style, an iconic art style. But they implemented, really, implemented it really, really well to the point where it's amazing. Life of is Strange kind of does its own thing too, or Don't Nod has a personalized art style, but it's just not as eye-catching or fun to play around with as Borderlands is. I, it's hard to describe. It's almost like, you know, they tried to go for semi-realism with a hint of like this paper mache type character and background design. So it's very, very hard to describe and it's not as appealing as I wish it could be. That being said, as after you get used to it and the way that characters are stylized, it's not game breaking by any means. My other problem is the lip syncing is pretty bad at the start of the episodes. And when you're playing a walking simulator that has like the uh, 
you really have to pay attention to the story and the way characters are interacting with one another. Lip syncing is actually pretty vital in that. You know, I wouldn't argue that it would be necessary if it were like a combat style game, but it's not. This is a game about the characters and what people have to say. And when you have bad lip syncing, it really does take you out of the experience a little bit. But once again, it gets better over time. I think once they kind of got their footing, the newer episodes really, they got a hang of the hang of it a lot better. And it gets a little bit better and it's not game breaking, but it is something that I wish they had worked on a little bit. The characters. Okay, so you only have a few main characters in this. Uh, your main, main character, her, her name is Max Caulfield. And essentially, she is a girl that lives in Seattle who currently is going to this uh, art school called Blackwell Academy. And it's a high school that's specifically made for people that plan on going into some type of art related major as soon as they go to college. Uh, for Max, her craft is photography, but there's also painters and other kinds of artists. There's musicians, there's theater geeks. And like any other high school, there's the popular kids, there's the geeks, there's the outcasts. It's, it is what it is. It's still high school. We all had a good time in high school, didn't we, Zar? I actually did. I went to a really, really small high school where we all basically knew each other forever. So, you know, we learn to get along when you spend enough time with people. <laughs> <laughs> so Max is the main, she's your protagonist. When you're interacting with people in the world, you play as Max. And the whole gimmick of the game is she has the power to rewind time. And she doesn't understand why she has this power. In fact, you never really understand why she has this power. I'm thinking that's probably, they keep doing sequels of this game to which there's actually, there's technically three sequels to the game. There's still no explanation as to why these people are getting powers, but it is what it is. So Max is in high school and one day she realizes that she has time traveling powers after a friend of hers named Chloe gets involved with a school shooting. And when Max very cringily reaches out her hand and yells no when she gets shot, she rewinds time by five minutes and goes to the bathroom to stop the shooting from happening. And I'll get into it with the story, but I mean, it's a weirdly implemented mechanic, but we'll get into it. So your other main characters is Chloe. I just mentioned her. She is your childhood best friend. Now, weirdly enough, you used to live in this town where you're going to high school, but at some point, your family moved away. Um, Chloe has a mom and a dad who died in a car accident, her, just her dad. Her dad died in a car accident, and right about the time her dad died in a car accident, a few years prior to the story happening, Max moved away um, just because her dad got a new job. So she promised to keep in, in touch with Chloe, um, and they just kind of naturally lost touch over time. With the death of her dad, Chloe kind of got into a little bit of trouble and started becoming rebellious. And when Max finally meets back up with Chloe, she's got blue hair and tattoos and she's getting in all sorts of trouble with school and the police. It's pretty nutty. Now, what's shitty is even though Max has been back in town for some time to start going to this fancy art school, she didn't bother to reach out to Chloe. Bitch. Yeah, I know. I know. So she coincidentally runs into Chloe as... Chloe gets shot in the school bathroom by one of the popular kids because I guess there was some type of drug deal that kind of went awry. That's kind of how they reconnected. It's just like, oh, hey, like, I guess I'll save your life. And Chloe's like, where the fuck have you been? And Max is like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Literally. 
Chloe's like, my dad died. I've been getting in all sorts of trouble. You've been here for months and you didn't call? All right. And Max, <laughs> yeah, literally. Max is like, ah, okay. You're such a kidder. And Chloe's like, oh, okay, I guess let's be friends again, I guess. Let's see, other characters, those are the main characters. Um, Chloe's mom, Joyce, is a pretty big character because obviously like Max was close to her family and Joyce is very happy to see Max again. Chloe's stepdad, uh, Dave, is the security guard of the school. He's ex-military and he is a huge asshole. You kind of figure out why later, but honestly, it's not. He's more of like, you know, your authoritarian stepdad. Like, Chloe, you'll do what I say under my roof. We're paying the bills. And the whole mechanic is Chloe going, you're not my dad. I don't have to listen to you. I hate you. And Joyce is like, come on, please. Let's get along. And Max is like, all right. All right. Honestly, Max is kind of a shitty person. And you're Max, right? That's the main character? Yeah, and you play as Max. She's, but you know, she's also kind of quiet and shy and she does her pictures thing and she tries to help people. She's honestly a nice person. It's just like her choices up to this point, you, you question them. Um, other notable people, it's mostly those crew cast of characters. Your uh, teacher, Mr. Jefferson, turns out to be the bad guy in the game, and I'll explain why later in the story aspect of it. You've got the popular kids, a few of which you interact with. Uh, this guy that likes Max named Warren, who just is kind of annoying and just shows up, be like, oh, I get it. You don't like nice guys, huh? And it's just like, fuck off, Warren. Go away. All right. <laughs> yeah, and Max, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, you've got the drug guy that Chloe hangs out with sometimes that turns out to be an okay dude, but you get into trouble with him a few times. It's, there's not a lot of other notable characters, honestly, like a few people that you interact with kind of, um, two more people, I guess worth mentioning would be Kate, uh, the girl that got bullied and, uh, kind of a story spoiler, but we'll get into it now. The, a girl named Kate, who you're kind of friends with at the beginning of the school, um, some pictures of her um, and her bra and underwear started getting circulated around the school, which kind of forced her to kill herself midway through the game. It gets really, really heavy. And finally, um, Amber. So Amber is Chloe's love interest because Chloe is like bisexual. That's been missing for some time after Max went off to school. Amber and Chloe form this relationship and then all of a sudden Amber just disappears. So the big part of the story is trying to figure out where Amber is. So apparently life is strange. Life is very strange. <laughs> Amber was like the popular kid in school and Amber's dad was like the big lawyer running for mayor or something in their town. And Chloe, the mechanic is like, oh my God, how could she be in love with me? But then Chloe and Amber hit it off and then Amber disappears. And the main catalyst that drives the story is you're rekindling your friendship with Chloe and at the same time trying to use your time traveling powers to figure out what the heck is happening with your school and figure out what happened to Amber. So that brings us into the story. And as I stated before, that's mainly what's going on is something weird is happening at your high school where girls are kind of getting, there's a drug going around and girls are mysteriously starting to get drugged. And even in Amber's case, girls are starting to disappear. So you're trying to figure out why that's happening. With the story, I mean, essentially what they do is they go to parties and clubs and start interacting with characters. And their whole goal is to try and figure that out. Well, 
not so long story short, because honestly, you can play through the game in like 12 hours, all 12, all five chapters. It's not that long of a game. Um, Mr. Jefferson, one of the teachers, has been and this is a little fucked up, by the way. So stay with me on this. Mr. Jefferson has been drugging the girls in the school, like the young underage girls. Not that that makes it any better, but because you shouldn't be drugging anyway, but still. All right. So he's been drugging these girls and taking her back to like his place where he takes pictures of them while they're sedated because quote unquote, there's something beautiful about them in this way. And already that's really fucked up, right? Creepy guy. All right. All right. (laughs) So already that's fucked up. You figure it out because he's about to do the same thing to Max because Max and Chloe start snooping around and getting all these clues with Max's time travel powers. And it leads them to this point and it's about to happen to Max too. Chloe comes to save your bacon because she takes Max and Chloe figures out where you are. Chloe gets shot by Mr. Jefferson. And just in time, Dave's stepdad comes in because he's the local. He works with security and he clear, he cares about Chloe. He's just also kind of a dick. And he's like, oh no, they shot Chloe. Wait, you keep going. You do actually save Chloe. So you do, re- you do rewind time a little later and you save Chloe's life. But it turns out that the way you've been manipulating time Like, Mr. Jefferson gets caught by the police after, you know, they figure out what they did. And it turns out that he's the one responsible for Amber disappearing. Because he had drugged Amber and taken her back to his place, but accidentally gave her too much of the drug and killed her doing so. And he was the one that had to, like, oh, I gotta hide the body. Because he'd been drugging girls up to that point, but, like, just enough to kind of, like, give them, like, the date rape effect, right? Like, oh, what happened? I don't remember anything but gave too much to Amber and ended up killing her. I don't like this ride. I want off. Yeah, that's, it sounds like a good story, but I'll keep going as to why it kind of gets a little clumsy at the end. So you keep going. It turns out that Max has been manipulating time so much that like it's kind of messing with the world. They don't explain it very much, but natural disasters are starting to occur including a tornado or hurricane that's about to wipe out your town because your time manipulation powers has been like messing with reality. So the town starts getting destroyed thanks to this hurricane that's kind of Max's fault. And you get to the end of the game where the lighthouses that Chloe and Max like met and became friends. And it's like a little pivotal part in the story. And the tornado is about to wipe out the entire town. And you're given a binary choice in the game. You can either go back to the point of time where you first realized your powers and let Chloe get shot and die, because that'll like kind of reset things back to the way they were supposed to be before you were messing with them. Or you can let the hurricane wipe out the town and kill a bunch of people, but Chloe gets to live. Oh, right. (laughs) All right. All right. it is a choice-based game, um, but half the problem is, like, if you make a decision with somebody or have a monologue issue, like a dialogue issue that you don't like, you can rewind time and retry the conversation and see how things would have played out. But usually, you know, it's not a good or bad option. Usually it's, like, a bad option and a bad option, and you just have to make the decision of which one you'd rather live with. People's main problem with the game is this decision right here literally wipes out 
all the other decisions and makes everything like not worth it. It's like, well, why did I have to squander and try and save people's feelings or do the right thing when this is the outcome anyway? It sounds like they were going for a very like consequential story like your con your choices have consequences that's literally written in the corner of the screen when you do something with someone it's like this choice will have consequences yeah that's that's super pointless when you could just go back to the day it all started and everything you did meant nothing well what's interesting is technically it will mean something if you choose to save chloe and let everybody else die and the, let the town get destroyed at the end of each chapter, it gives you statistics of like how many other people made the really important choices that you made. And each chapter has its own set of choices, but we won't have time to get into like the huge nitty gritty details. I'm giving you the overarching story. But yeah, 90% of people chose to let Chloe die in order to, you know, let things go back to normal and save thousands of other people in a whole town. And 10% of people chose to let Chloe live. And if you let Chloe live, I guess it kind of makes all your choices matter, except that almost everybody's dead. Yeah, so it doesn't matter because all the choices you had with those people, they're dead anyway. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of, like I said, there's a lot of important choices throughout the story, but all of them lead to this one final huge choice that kind of makes everything seem pointless anyway. And that is the story. I know that was a lot. So before I keep going, do you guys have any questions? How old is this game? Did you just spoil it? Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. Yes, I spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert. Look, here's the thing. Anyone that wanted to play Life is Strange has played Life is Strange. Nobody's like, oh, you spoiled this game. I really wanted to play it. Life of Strange has a cult following. Um, and you know what's funny is I know Travis from uh, Rainbow Road is probably yelling at me right now because I'm missing details of the story because I know that he really likes this game because Life is Strange talks pretty profoundly to the uh, LGBTQ community. Um, but still, I feel like I've done a good job of just giving you guys the brief summary of what's going on here. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk about gameplay. So it's a walking simulator. Your goal is to walk around and find clues and talk to people and have conversations. There's no action. Um, I don't even think there's quick time events, which sometimes these uh Walking simulators will have like quick time events. I don't even think there's many of those. Like if walking simulators already get a little boring for people that are looking for really like exciting, fast gameplay, I can already tell like this game would be Zach's help. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Zach would have the worst time playing this game. That's okay. Yeah. I don't know if there's an amount of money I could give Zach to play this game. So you walk around, you interact with your environment. Gameplay is actually where I will give this some points, like some points back where the story and the characters kind of lack. Like most things in the environment are interactable and usually or Max will have interesting things to say. So like there's a lot you can do and the people who made this game put a lot of time and effort into that. There's not a whole lot to say about the gameplay because that's the majority of what you're doing. For game mechanics, the whole time loop thing. So. You can usually only go back in time by about a max of a minute. So, you know, that's where it comes into play of like, you have to do these things really quick. That's why it comes in handy with conversations because you get choices of how you want to interact with people. And if you say something and a conversation doesn't go your way, you can rewind time by like 15 seconds and go with the other option and see if you like that better. 
So it sounds like there's not much replayability for this because you can see every different dialogue option within one playthrough. The only way where you would need replayability is if you make that final choice one way or the other. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, I mean, there's some choices you make with people, the way you talk to them, that can kind of branch off into different options that you can't really go back to. But like we said, it, it, the effects are very minor, only last that chapter, and is kind of meaningless in the end when you go back to the start anyway. You just don't feel like any of your choices have true levity, and that kind of, it breaks the immersion down a little bit too. I know I've been relatively negative in my review, but the game does actually have a lot of heart to it. And, you know, there's some dialogue that's done really well and the characters are believable and they can be pretty fun sometimes. But just some of these other things that the story does, like, for example, I talked earlier about the main character named Kate who kills herself. Well, there's actually a set of dialogue. One of the more meaningful things you can do in the game is you can stop her from killing yourself if you make the, if you make the right choices. Spoiler alert, I did not, and she still ended up jumping off that building. But your main question is probably, well, why don't you just rewind time and say the right thing so that she doesn't do that? And the answer is because your time, your powers just stop working at that moment. That's kind of a plot hole. <laughs> it is. Max is like, you try and rewind time, and Max is just like, oh, no, my powers aren't working. Why? why? Yeah, <laughs> why? It, this is literally where your powers were coming the most handy, and now... You, there's nothing you can do? Why? They don't give you a reason. It, it just seems All right. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of clumsy implementation of Max's powers, and, oh, I really wish Kate were still alive, because, yeah, she got bullied for some of the pictures that were sent around after she was knocked out from Mr. Jefferson's shenanigans, and it drove her to kill herself because the popular girls wouldn't stop making fun of her for it. And it's horrible. And your powers just stop working. And it's like, why? It's not just that. I have other gripes with like, things just happen with no plot in mind. It's just more of like convenience for pushing the story along and to find drama, you know, drama. It reminds me a lot of like one of those awful high school drama shows where uh, random things will happen and everybody's super dramatic about it without any of like the realistic lead up to that point and then undeserving like piece of drama that happens. But on the other hand, despite all the negative things that I've, I, I have had to say, overall, since you spend most of your time with Max and Chloe as characters, they're likable. They're believable people. I forgot to mention how awful and cheesy the writing and voice lines can be sometime. This, was, this is a game that takes place in America that was written by people in Paris. And it, you can definitely tell it's dialogue that you think people who aren't Americans think Americans sound like. What's all right in French? Sacre <laughs> <laughs> bleu. Sacre yeah. bleu. <laughs> like at one time, I swear to God, the cringiest piece of monologue is like Max and Chloe are in Chloe's room and Max puts on some of Chloe's like punk clothes, like uh, flannel shirts and ripped jeans. And she's like, I'm ready to go to the mosh pit, Chaka bra. And I'm like, oh my God, I really wish you didn't say that. Shaka bra! I'm like, oh, I really, really wish you didn't say that. <laughs> what? We don't say that? Like, the Americans don't say shaka bra? Shaka bra! Like, first of all, sparingly, and second of all, two decades ago. That's an extreme example, but it, it, there's a disconnecting writing like that all over this game. 
On the other hand, as far as like LGBTQ representation and like the writing for that, um, it, that's where you can really see the heart start to come through is like through these characters' problems and the way they interact with each other in times of strife rather than, you know, kind of the fun parts that are supposed to be more heartwarming. The parts that are supposed to have drama in them and levity, despite the fact that some of that is taken away by the poor time mechanic Im implementation, they do have weight and they do invoke feeling to some degree, but it's the shock abroad moments that kind of take you out of that. And they happen frequently. So you're just like, oh, there was a lot of potential here. And my here's my final thoughts. Life is Strange is really, really messy. There's no denying that from the review that I just gave. But when it has something to say and it tries to find meaning, it can hit home. And at the end of the day, if you like walking simulators and these slice of life games, those feelings are why you play them. I did get those feelings. I cried when you had to kill Chloe because you did go on an adventure with this person and you grew to love her and you did have to kill her. Or when Kate commits suicide because of her bullying, you're like, oh my God, that's terrible. And we've all been to high school and we know, you know, how horrible people can be. It's moments like that where you feel things. It's just like clumsy writing around that and some poor voice acting and writing just take you out of the mood. Like I said, there's three, there's technically three sequels to this game. Life is Strange Before the Storm, where you play as Chloe. Life is Strange 2, where you play as two different characters altogether. And then this weird little game called The Adventures of Captain Spirit, which that was weird. I'm not going to talk about that. But in Life is Strange too, like they fix a lot of these problems. Like the two main characters there are Sean and Daniel, a couple of uh, teenage boys. And except Daniel's actually pretty young, but Sean is like a teenager. The writing in that game was much, much better. And they play more on like uh, aspects of racial tension rather than like the representation of being gay. So, and they did that with better writing. Like I had a lot more complex feelings watching Life is Strange 2 than I did Life is Strange 1. But still, Life is Strange 1 is where it started. So that is where we are. So finally, if I had to give it a quick score, it would be a 7.9 out of 10. Which by all accounts is still a playable, nice, fun game, right? Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good score. I mean, I wouldn't expect walking simulators to hit too high on the mark, but I mean, that's a really that's a good game right there. They the thing is that they can though. Like even if you just took away the bad writing and made the like the that a little bit better, you I would be able to bump this up to an 8.3 easy just on that alone. But it's just I couldn't get there. Like, Gone Home is a walking simulator. I would give that game a 9.5 out of 10. Or, like, Night in the Woods is a walking simulator. I'd give that game probably, like, a 9.2 or a 9.1. Oh, that's fair. Being a walking simulator doesn't disqualify it from getting a high score. It's just all these little clumsy things. And honestly, like, from all the negative things I would have to say about this game, you probably expected something lower. A little, a little bit, yeah. Just, just a tad. Yeah, but a 7.9 out of 10 is where it's at. All right, I feel like I've been talking for a long time. Let's hear some reviews. Reviews. All right, so first we're going to go to a user score. Oh, all right. So Life is Strange has a user score of 8.6. That is the only time I have ever given a score on a game and rate that rating where the score was actually, my personal score was lower than the user score. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're you're totally right with that. Like, the fans love this game, and 
Maybe we should delete this episode so I don't make people mad. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to make people mad regardless. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. All right. right. (laughs) All right. So let's start. I'll take a few of the positive reviews. All right. So I, (laughs) I teeth 76 says further proof that video games can tell emotionally engaging stories and present relatable characters, superb voice acting, beautiful art design, a smooth score, and a good use of licensed music all help to make this story game one worth playing. If you are looking to take a break from the usual RPGs and shooters, then I recommend you start with Life is Strange. Okay, you know what? He made a good point. The music in the game is phenomenal. The music choice in the game is incredible, actually. From the licensed, the licensed music to its personal score, the music is incredible. I'll give it points back there. Uh, let's see. He gave it a 10 out of 10, so good for you, IT. I was about to read KVN17, but that appears to be in German. I don't know how to speak German. Do you? <laughs> what is German for all right? Sake blue. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, Dog War gave this game a 9 out of 10. This game has very interesting gameplay, while not as much control over the story as they lead to believe. It is remarkably engaging. It felt like you were a character in the middle of a mysterious television series on Netflix. Lots of teen angst and cursing. The story unfolds slowly, but once through the first episode, the pieces tie together and you are hooked. Okay, that's fair enough. I'm going to go to a, middle, a more middle ground score real quick. So this is from Raffro. Yeah, Raffro. He gave it a 5 out of 10. I know people will disagree with me, but honestly, I didn't find the great story that everyone told me or the likable characters. By the end, I was annoyed but almost by almost everyone. I do recognize that there were some good moments and enjoyable passages, but I was bored almost all the time. Well, that sounds like a walking simulator isn't for for this reviewer. (laughs) That is honestly fair. You kind of know what you're getting before you even play the game. And you can tell that by like certain things that he had to say. Like, you know, when I was talking about my review, like the main thing that I was hitting on was the story is that I didn't necessarily like the story or the likable characters and that's how you can tell that i like walking simulators because i wasn't shocked when there wasn't gunfights and sword fights the good reviews are they're pretty good honestly like an 8.6 out of 10 we would consider a great game and here i am looking at 1046 uh or 1461 positive reviews and only 109 negative reviews this has been a really interesting episode because we usually give these games really high scores. And so far, Zach and I have gone on the lower end. And because of that, I haven't been as angry with anybody, but I also haven't checked out any of the negative reviews, which is what we are going to do right now. I mean, because come on, that's that's the most fun part about this it segment. Is, it is the most fun. All right. So NJAA02 gave this game a two out of ten. Besides the decent voice acting, Life is Strange is one of the most cringy, horribly written, and annoying games I've ever played. Hated almost everything about it. Okay, that's pretty strong. Those are pretty strong opinions. Yeah, those are are pretty strong words. I mean, at least he said that it's decent voice acting. I was in the same boat, but even then, like, the warning, even if you were just going off voice acting, I mean, a 2 out of 10 is like, Twisted metal awful levels of voice acting. <laughs> Straight up gave it a zero out of ten, saying this wasn't a game, it was a 3D click-through visual novel about being in a boarding school in Oregon where the photography teacher drugs women. A preverse ad campaign for semi-Hollywood agorists. Damn. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, now this is where your point comes up, Czar. This is somebody that doesn't know what a walking simulator is. It's like that meme of uh, that guy from, you know, uh, Endgame who's like, yes, that's what dying means. That's what I think of with this guy. I'm like, yeah, that's what a walking simulator is. It's a, <laughs> this isn't a game. It's a 3D click-through visual novel. I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're yes. 100% right. You're, yeah. You're not just wrong, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, I wanted you guys to read this comment because I saw this earlier. All right, so Homophobe gave this game a 1 out of 10. Are you ready oh, for this? God. <laughs> Do we have to? Yes, yes, you have just... to hear this. You have oh. to hear this. Homophobe gave this game a 1 out of 10 and said, Life is strange, more like <laughs> life is gay. <laughs> Important announcement, Donald Trump is a great role model and respects women. This game is gay. This game is perfect for the gay station. Perfect game for bisexuals. And it only gets a one out of 10 because I respect women. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> that's so fucking funny. Okay, this can't be, this can't be real. Like this, that's not an actual review. <laughs> Pre-Donald Trump, I would have called this trolling, but post-Donald Trump, I don't know. This could be very much real. This game gets a 1 out of 10 because I respect women. Because I respect women. <laughs> oh. Holy shit. I know I talked forever about this game to get to this score, but honestly, that comment made it all worth it. As a troll, that is fucking funny that, but if yeah. this is a real opinion what the fuck <laughs> i i genuinely think it's a troll comment and here's why because look at this score of an 8.6 out of 10 it's and look at the amount of positive review it's very clear that despite the fact that this game isn't incredibly well known it's popular but not extremely popular it's got a niche following there are people that clearly ad adore and love this series and i really do like it that's why i chose it for this episode and you wouldn't really come here to say a lot of negative things unless you honestly hated the game playing it, which is fair, or you were a troll. And that was a super trolly comment. Donald Trump respects women. So Donald Trump is a great role model. <laughs> you know what? That was probably written by Donald Trump. All right, now that I've made my listeners mad, uh, Czar, help me. <laughs> I'm sorry that was so long-winded, but it is now your turn. All right. So, as JP mentioned earlier, I am playing a game also by Don't Nod Studios called Vampire. So, I was interested in this game because I got it for free. And I mean, you can't argue with a free game. What it is it doing of, just getting everything for free? Well, it was one of Xbox's Game of the Month service things. So, they give you three uh, games okay. in a month. You get to download them and play them as much as you want. Well, this was one of them a couple months back. Um, and it's a game about vampires, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> oh, no. Zach, do you like vampires? Vampire for life, baby. So how can I say no? And I mean, yes, I heard that it wasn't a great game. And yes, I know it's basically a clone of other great games. But I am no stranger to a less than perfect gaming experience. And it was free. So shut up. Free? <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh, well, I was interested because I love vampires, and this game seemed to give players a much better blood-sucking experience than other similar titles, uh, like Dark. Is that its own genre, blood-sucking? 
I, I guess. Um, I also listen to a music genre called Coffin with Sound Holes, so this is not above that water. Fucking what? <laughs> <laughs> Creature feature. Look them up. No. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> All right, all right. Anywho, back to video games, which is what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> this game is grim. The atmosphere is so dark and ominous. It takes place in London um, around the early 20th century and has an odd haze that envelops the entire scenery. Dead bodies litter the street, and you can even hear the moaning of shuffling corpses as they chase their prey. And, well, more often than not, the undead are very successful. And you can also hear the dying screams of town people off in the distance. The art style is, is really well done. I mean, it's a, it's a very dark game considering that the main character, as a vampire, can't go out in the sunlight. So everything is perpetual nighttime. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have a few complaints. You know, the scenery while free roaming and fighting works well. You have garbage littered across every alley. And, you know, the streetlights cast ominous shadows across the cobblestone. Ooh, cobblestone. <laughs> God, we're breaking out the cobble. You got cobblestone money? Oh, you got cobble money. <laughs> <laughs> However, if you look too closely for detail, prepare to be disappointed. I mean, by all rights, this doesn't look like a modern gen game at all. And I mean, I guess it's not modern anymore, what with the new Xbox and PlayStation that was just released, but it looks like it could have been made for late versions of the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. It's That's how bad these graphics look. <laughs> okay, what's interesting about us doing like two different games from the same studio, like was my paper mache realism type art style, was that accurate? to this yeah. game as well. Oh, definitely. They tried to go for a realistic look, but, you know, all of the characters' hands looked like their fingers were fused together. And, you know, oftentimes people would be shuffling around and looking at heaps of garbage doing the exact same motion. It just, it, it all felt very scripted and very much like you were not being immersed. The art style was decent, but it was really the attention to detail where they failed. For a game heavily centered around character interaction and dialogue, a lot more detail was needed visually. All of the characters looked like they're wearing stiff, uncomfortable latex masks. No emotion was shown in character faces, and facial movements were rigid and laughable. Normally, I wouldn't complain about facial movements right. because they're difficult to animate. But Vampire makes this notion painful when mm -hmm. you spend about three fourths of the game talking to people. Mm -hmm. And so that, that kind of leads me into the characters and story. So players take on the role of Dr. Jonathan Reed, a veteran who recently returned home from World War One. But somewhere between getting off the boat and walking home, Dr. Reed gets murdered. Thus enters the player's role. The game starts with the protagonist walking up, waking up in the middle of a mass grave. And after stumbling to get to their feet, the player is greeted by the main character's sister, to which the family reunion quickly turns grim for 
the doctor kind of rips his sister's throat out and replenishes his health and stamina with her her vital parts. Okay. But unfortunately, Dr. Reed has no time to contemplate his actions as he is chased off by vampire hunters. You know, it was it was actually a really adrenalating and confusing way to start a game. You know, just being tossed into a violent role where the tutorial is just run like hell. <laughs> okay. But back to the story, your job as the good doctor is to try to stop an epidemic. With the family with the Spanish flu wiping out most of Europe, London seems to be suffering not from the flu, but something more sinister. While discovering the source of infection, Dr. Reed comes across several factions. The hospital, where the chief medicine knows a lot more about the vampire disease than first impressions give. Uh, Dr. Reed is also encountered by an uptown woman who is centuries old and can also be the main love interest of the, of the story. There's the Skulls, which are a lesser variant of vampires that really kind of resemble ghouls from Fallout. Ooh, okay. There's also a faction of vampire hunters that hinders player progress known as the Guard of Prewin, which is also funny and kind of a Fallout reference because there is a Guard of Prewin in Fallout 4, which is the Brotherhood of Steel. Uh Uh-huh. And it's a giant blimp. Yeah. There's no comparison there, but I just kind of thought that was funny, the phonetics of it. No, it is interesting for sure. And finally, the players will also encounter the Ascalon Club, which is just aristocratic vampires that formed an old school fraternity full of misogynistic views and a holier than thou personality. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Other than the main factions, the player will encounter many other depressed characters along the way with some kind of cool dialogue options and side quests, but. I I wouldn't get too attached to them. And I'll talk about why in a second. Now that we've discussed the character's story and scenery, let's talk about the gameplay and mechanics. The gameplay is very reminiscent of Assassin's Creed and Dark Souls, especially when it comes to fighting. Okay. It's all the fighting is all third person and players can take advantage of melee weapons as well as ranged firearms. The player is given two slots for main weapons, such as one and two handed axes, swords and medical saws and having two additional slots for off handed knives and firearms. In addition to this, players also have hotkeys for vampiric powers, such as spears made of blood to hurl at enemies. Oh, that's cool. And the power to cause every blood cell to explode in a target, damaging other enemies in a, in a small radius. What the fuck? Yeah, they literally explode into a gooey ball of paste. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Yeah, this game's rated M. Just, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I was going to say, that's brutal. Yeah, it, it is actually really brutal. And as far as like feeling like a vampire, this game does it the best way I've ever seen. Because I, I do feel like a badass hulking vampire who just, you know, munches everyone's bones just because they look at me wrong. <laughs> My bones. <laughs> My bones. And see, I, I say that, though, because this game is easy. Even on the hardest difficulty setting, the AI is stupid and will get caught on corners, or you can literally shoot people in the face with a shotgun, and the dickhole who's standing on the other side of the wall is just like, huh, 
wants to hurt some crickets <laughs> <laughs> until you turn around the wall and they're like, oh my God, it's the leech. No, it was somebody else who just shot your buddy in the face. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it's it's not a difficult game with stupid AI, but you know, that is what it is. Anywho, the player uses each weapon and ability to fight in skirmishes while moving from point A to point B, which brings me to another complaint. The fighting seems like a subroutine for this game. Uh, and there's no fast travel with a huge map. So players are supposed to run from one end of the city to the other for quests and really only fight when their path is blocked by a routine three enemies. Like every 20 yards or so, you'll approach an opening in the alleyway and there's three enemies in front of you. You kill those three enemies, you move on to the next three enemies. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just annoying. Like, it just feels like a hindrance. And you also get no XP for it. What? You don't get any XP for killing anything. I mean, you might get like five or 10 XP, depending on how much damage you take during skirmishes. Mm -hmm. I have to traverse with no fast travel, fighting packs of three enemies for no XP, only to trot my happy ass to the next 30 minute dialogue. <laughs> Seeing as I just mentioned XP, I should probably note that this is an RPG quote. And so to earn XP to level up, you have to talk to characters. Oh God. Yep, you have to use your <laughs> vampiric abilities to compel people to tell you specifically why their lives suck for 25 XP a pop. Damn. Yeah, no, it's, it's a really stupid system. I hate it. <laughs> give me give me XP for kills. I'm a badass and I want to prove it. <laughs> I want kills. And so how you use this XP is you have to go to a bed and you have to sleep. You have to sleep all day and then you can allocate XP towards specific powers like health or making people's blood explode and such. Now, there is actually a way to really move through this game in the level system very, very quickly. Oh yeah. And remember how I said, don't get attached to side characters? Yeah. Well, that's because talking to them is not their greatest source of XP. The game re rewards players the most by eating the side characters. Ooh. So you can get about 200 XP from Mama Stella by talking to her and figuring out why her son is such an asshole or you can skip that whole process and get 2,000 XP by eating her. And you also get to loot her trunk. Well, geez Louise. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool feature. It's a little broken considering you only level up substantially by eating the people you're supposed to be talking to and curing from the disease. Yeah. But that's that's where this game gets intricate. Um, each person you eat and each choice you make determines the game's difficulty and outcome. A grid shows the state of each district from sanitized to healthy to hostile. Okay. The more people you eat and the more people you let succumb to illness plunges a district into chaos. People will go missing and they will, uh, you know, kind of turn into mutated versions of themselves, otherwise known as skulls, which is another cool premise because, you know, once you basically say fuck a district enough to where all of the people go missing, then you got a lot of bosses to fight in that region because every townsperson who you were supposed to get a quest from or talk to 
will turn into a boss level fight, which is is fun. And it will actually reward you with XP if you kill those. Are those challenging? They can be, but how I've leveled my character is is pure paralyzation. So I can stop enemies in their tracks for like 10 seconds and just blast them with everything I've got. And since my guns are really high level and since all of my vampire powers are leveled up, like I have not had any difficulty with killing anything in this game. It's laughably easy at this point. And I'm not even 60 way, 60% of the way done. And now there is one last little Ugh, it's a flaw. It's a huge flaw as a game mechanic. Oh yeah, what's that? The load screens are very frequent. You want to go into virtually any building, it's going to be about a 45 second wait. Oh, that is annoying. You sit there for so long that even the hint in the top corner of the screen disappears and the music stops while it's waiting for the game to load. Holy shit. Yeah, like... You have this loading music that's just ominous background music, but the game takes so long to load that the track runs out. That's a, that's awful. This is a modern game. This was made like three years ago. Why do you have such long and frequent load screens? It's not even that high res of a game. Like what the fuck? Yeah, I completely agree. It's, it's all so frustrating and so, I guess we'll move on to my final points. I bitched a lot about this game, but it is actually a lot of fun. I am having a lot of fun. Um, I think that's the trend of today's video with the three of us is that like I complain a lot, but eh, you know what? It's not that bad. It's it's not terrible. It's not great. It's nothing to write home about. Um, you know, you'll you will feel like a badass. The upgrades are are useful. And the story is actually a little compelling. You can you can make a lot of cool choices, but it also does get really frustrating when you miss out on dialogue because you you know you can't predict what this person wants to hear. Maybe they want to hear you call them an idiot, or maybe they want to hear you say that, oh, I want to try to understand your situation. Based off of those choices. You know, you you can really miss out on a lot of the story and a lot of the cool side stuff that this game has to offer. And the game even makes it painfully obvious because when you start up the game for the first second, it says, when this icon is visible on screen, your game is auto-saving. Do not turn your system off. And they end it by saying, uh, be responsible for your own choices. <laughs> because you can't reload previous saves. So if you accidentally kill somebody or you say something stupid, you just have to move on with the game and play through a, a second playthrough. Interesting, interesting stuff. Yep, there is no recall of previous save data. It is all just, it saves how it wants to save. And I find that frustrating because I want to save scum. <laughs> that is like old game mechanics, you know, for a modern game that was made, when was this made? Like 2017, 2018. Yeah, that is way too new to be having these types of issues. Yeah, so we got bad graphics, a poor save system, terrible traversion of the map, and just abysmal load screens. Like this, this all sounds like it was a game made for 2009. 
not 2018. All right. Uh, any more final final thoughts before you give us a score? I I don't think so. Like I said, I had fun, but it it definitely did not come without pitfalls. So I am gonna have to give this game a six. Bruh, you're going with a six. I am. Like wow, it it borrows way too much. Like it tries to be Assassin's Creed, and it tries to be Life is Strange, but it just bastardizes both concepts. Yeesh. It does not. It doesn't mesh well. And it could have. It was such a cool concept and it could have been done very well but it felt really rushed gotta give it a six let's see if metacritic uh, agrees with you as a meta score it got a 72 not bad and a user score got a 6.8 yeesh wow. wow i actually ranked it lower than the user score too that almost never happens it really doesn't i don't know what it is with today's episode but we're just being very negative nancy's I guess it's got 262 positive reviews and 103 negative. So, you know, most people found this game. All right. Let's check some of those positive scores out. All right. So positive scores. We have Meta Cthulhu, innovative and atmospheric RPG. This is an underrated little gem. Convincingly combines RPG with TPP action and adventure elements. Even reminds me of Sherlock Holmes, crime and punishment a bit. Love it. Nine to 10 out of 10. Okay, so that's interesting because it's literally almost exactly what you said, where it's trying to combine elements from Life is Strange and what was the other game? Assassin's Creed or Dark Souls. Yeah, like games like that. Because TPP, he's talking about some of the Telltale games like The Walking Dead and things along the line of Life is Strange. So that's interesting because that's almost exactly what you said. Here's a more realistic Muzmuz. Muzmuz? Gave it a... Muzmuz. M-U-Z, M-U-Z. Gave it a 7 out of 10. A dark, desolate narrative, heavy semi-open world RPG packed with unique NPC system, world-building mechanics, and a ton of vampires. Vampire is undoubtedly a fresh take on Western on the Western RPG genre, and a welcome one at that. Well... Being not as rich as your typical AAA game of the same genre, Vampire stands on its own hard ground. Sadly, the game punishes you for playing as a good guy with all of the high-level enemies and a bad level scaling. Top that off with mediocre finale, an undersatisfying ending if you try even slightly to enjoy a major part of the game, which is choosing whose neck to bite leaving you frustrated while the credits roll as you discover that this game counts how many times you kill and not and not who you choose to kill. A game ruined by bad designs, decisions. And I, I fully agree with that. Like, that is kind of what I was saying. Yeah, I, I also did read that as a little bit of a spoiler because um, there is rewards for not killing anybody in the game. Like, there's an achievement called not even once where you literally do not embrace people which embracing is eating them well you need to do that to keep playing the game though don't you you don't actually you can fare just as well by talking to people and getting xp through their conversation dialogue but you'll only hit about level 25 and at the point in the game where i'm at i'm hitting level 40 characters you can still kill them it, it is doable because your weaponry is not 
directly linked to your level. So I can get a legendary weapon and use it right off the bat and do like a thousand damage each time. But the problem is if you get tickled even once by some really small enemy, even though they're 20 levels higher, you die instantly. Uh, that's literally what I was going to say is it makes you squishy. And then and then you get treated to unending minute and a half long loading screens every time you die. Are we being too hard on this small developer? I know. I mean, a <laughs> little maybe. Yeah, man. Blizzard's got it pretty rough. You're right. <laughs> Zach, I swear to God. <laughs> We may be a little bit mean to don't nod today. And like, I don't want to emphasize that this game is awful. One out of 10, because it is worth playing. I am having fun. JP, you loved Life is Strange. I did. But they need to divert a little more focus to specific areas of the game. What I mean, like, it sounds like Vampire has a lot more issues on like the technical side and like gameplay inside than Life is Strange did. But that's the thing with Life is Strange is these are more like little tweaks. It's a lot of little things that Life is Strange did that kind of added up to these like more negative feelings I have about the game, despite the fact that it didn't sound like it, but I did. I had a great time playing Life is Strange and I have fond memories of playing the game. Despite the fact that I'm coming to the realization I messed up the town that they're from. It's not Seattle, it's Arcadia Bay, Oregon. But sorry, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> More official apologies issued. Damn it, JP. <laughs> I'm sorry. At least this one's not going to peaches. <laughs> not yet. Yet. You never know. Anywho, I'm going to do one more positive review and then we'll get into a couple negative. Okay. So Jay Pickens says, what a great game when it comes to the story. It's so interesting and the whole atmosphere is just pouring out of the screen. The gameplay is average. The game is easier if you suck out the blood of people and harder if you don't. It's all about your choice and immersion in all of this. I really liked this one and we'll probably come back to it in a few years. Pickens approves. Nice work, Pickens. And he gave it an eight out of 10. <laughs> hey, eight out of 10 is a solid score. Yeah, it's, that's a pretty reasonable, realistic score. I could believe that. I mean, it's not an eight for me, but hey, Pickens approves. Anywho, so here's, here's a pretty negative one from Plount. This game is the epitome of mediocrity. <laughs> All right, we're getting right in this. Cool. All right. <laughs> it gets a four, not a five, since blandness should be penalized. Okay, just hear me out. Number one, on the one hand, it has a coherent story, uh, it's a little bit boring, predictable, and melodramatic. So five out of 10. Number two, you play in a third person sandbox environment, which is pretty immersive, but you hit a lot of closed doors while being funneled through predetermined paths. Five out of 10. And I did notice that too. Um, there's literally doors in every alley that you go across, but I think you can only open like five or six doors in the entire game. Like, why are there so many doors? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be funny if there was a sign on them that was like aesthetic purposes only. Yeah, right? Non-functional. I mean, uh, and he says, number three, the gameplay can be challenging at times, but it is simplistic and gets old really fast. Number four, etc. <laughs> How did you feel that way too? That like the gameplay was like, gets, got old fast, like you weren't having fun anymore? Oh, absolutely. Because like I said, with no fast travel system, I'll constantly be running from one end of the map to the virtual other end of the map. 
and it takes about 45 minutes to get there and that's if i don't fight any enemies along the way yeah it's just run fight run fight talk for 45 minutes repeat minion x gave it a zero out of 10. oh this will be good the writing of this game is very poorly elaborated and rushed so it frequently contradicts itself because of that throughout its entire plot its combats are too easy generic and repetitive like i said to such an extent that basically it's just about attacking and dodging attacking and dodging which causes its entire play throw to be just that like a bad joke this doesn't change even if one plays it on the most difficult setting the ai of its enemies is extremely stupid and scripted which is why they often get stuck with miserable obstructions in their pathways such as columns barrels boxes walls etc especially in the indoor areas its plot is too linear and the options that are present during it are practically irrelevant during the course of the of the game. Basically, everything comes down to MC has killed or not killed non-generic NPCs. If it has, how many has he killed? Yeah, and that's that's kind of a good summation of what I said, you know, a very rushed plot and game combats too easy and repetitive. Uh, very scripted, the plot's linear, and I really honestly have not felt like my choices matter. Um, I, I, I feel like when I come to the end of the game, it's going to be like UJP, where it's one choice or the other, and it kind of disregards all of our other previous choices up to this point. Look, when you have games that present choice, like Telltale Games, I'm not saying that it's easy to implement choices that make it feel like everything else you have done has weight to it. I know that's not an easy thing to ask for, but I'm saying that it has been done by series like The Walking Dead, especially the first one. Every choice feels like it has so much weight behind it and really affects how the ending plays out, despite the fact it's more in the small details, right? Because I mean, like in The Walking Dead 1, Lee dies no matter what you do. But like it's everything surrounding Lee's death and how characters feel about it and interact with each other. Those are the differences that your prior decisions can make. And those ultimately are what have levity. Oh, absolutely. And that's where this game lacks is, is the attention to detail, those very small details. And it sucks because this could have been a phenomenal game. This could have been like a 9.6 out of 10. Mm. And that's that's the worst part about it. Um, I'm going to do one more comment because, because this one's really funny. All right, go for it. So ESCKNX, don't know what that means, gave it a 3 out of 10 and says it smells console. Input lag, lack of quick save and load, sad. I could have liked this one. That literally sounds like it has nothing to do with the game. I mean, it does because there is input lag. There's no quick save or load. And oh, it those just, are real? Okay. That's input. what I, that's what I was saying. There's no quick save or load screen. It's just an auto save. And that's why they say take responsibility for your actions. Okay. So is that actually like a game mechanic implementation then? Like to make it feel yeah. like you? Okay. Yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't want player the game doesn't want players to save scum and be like, oh, I messed up this dialogue option. So I'm going to reload this save and get the right dialogue option. No, it pushes you past that point and says, if you want to see how this turns out differently, you got to play the game again. OK, 
that it i don't know how to feel input lag yeah for sure you fix that but like they say it smells console because you know by all rights this could never be a pc game it just smells like an early console game well if it were on pc it would fix a lot of the issues you're damn right it would (laughs) quicker load times higher res characters but i mean like here's the thing it's clear that despite the fact that we've had problems with these games from don't nod we still had fun playing the games and they still hold some kind of place on our shelf it's not that i feel bad because criticism is ultimately what's going to lead these studios to make better games in the future but like considering what don't nod is which is a small developer in paris hell life is strange won a lot of awards you know like they're doing they're doing their best they're working on it i'm so sorry i actually found a negative comment that is worth reading uh it's by skyrant this game would have this game would have been a bad triple a title in 2005 i would not even call it triple a now this should be around 25 dollars not more the design is bland and uninspired the presentation is beyond amateurish Controls, camera, and combat feel cheap and have no weight or punch to it. The environments are bland. Good sound design is nowhere to be found, and the same goes for the music. Which, I actually kind of like the music. I thought the sound design and music was kind of good. A little repetitive, but whatever. The story is as uninspired as the design. The voice acting is mediocre at best, and the multiple-choice dialogue system was all the rage. 10 years ago. (laughs) You are bitten by a super vampire and you accidentally kill your sister. You are hunted and you need to find whoever made you into a vampire. What a dreadfully boring story. Of course, they had thrown in some sort of a skill system and a crafting system that is as uninspired and boring as the rest of the game. They should have spent more time on combat animation, sound, and design in general. Stay away from this game unless it's in a bargain bin, and even then you will regret the purchase. Wow. Woof. That was brutal. That was brutal. What was was his score? A 2 out of 10. Yeah, and that's basically an unplayable game is a 2 out of 10, and... I mean, his his, his Skyrant's comments really sound like it would be a 4. Maybe like a four and a half. And we've but, gone over this time and time again. These people don't know how to rate things. No, they really don't. I mean, a lot of what this person said, it, it, it does hold some truth. But damn, that was harsh as harsh could be. <laughs> All right, man. Our, uh, how do you, did you get everything off your chest? I think I did. I think I did. Uh, how, how are you guys feeling? <laughs> a little drained. This was our longest episode, it feels like. I don't know. Zar, you get a pretty easy week this week. That uh, news episode was nothing compared to this guy. Yeah, it's going to be nice. We we recorded quite a bit last week, and that was a bit to cut down. So this will be a nice little break. You can always hit us up on social media and explain why we're wrong. I can't wait to hear what all of you have to say, and that is why I'm directing all comments to Zach. Zach? Yeah. Have, have fun. Nintendo, Nintendo. Nintendo, Nintendo. We didn't even talk about Nintendo in this episode. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. Oh, and that's going to be the title. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the Game Tea Podcast. We'll see you in the next episode. You just got your Game Tea. Bye.
If you like what you heard today and you're looking for more ways to get your game tea fixed, check us out on Patreon. With bronze, silver, and gold tiers starting at $2 a month, there are several incredible rewards you can receive for supporting the show, such as a follow from us on Twitter, access to a monthly Q&A session, an invitation to our private Discord server, and even bonus episodes of the podcast only accessible to patrons. Your donations will be used to make the show even better. The link to Patreon is in the description with our social media, so go check it out. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Game Tea Podcast.